Denny Van here, your host with Heartfelt Awakening Radio. Thank you for continuing on this journey with me as we bring to you the Neville Goddard Lecture Series. And as a Dr. Reverend and uh, doing this work, spiritual counseling, guidance, uh, prayer, faith, uh, doing this work for over 30 years, Neville Goddard has helped me personally make sense of the Christian Bible, and not only the Christian Bible, but all sacred texts. And as we look at sacred text as an allegory for this larger unseen part of us, it's not so much for the mind, and it's not black and white, right and wrong. It's taking the Bible or any sacred text into an experiential level. So I am experiencing the Bible and all of the characters that are in the Bible are within me. And Neville Goddard is also right here with me. And so today we're going to be uh, reading and commenting on, and I'll let you know when I'm commenting and interjecting and when we're getting back to the reading. Uh, today we're going to be doing a movement within God. And this lecture was given on October 16, 1967. And this movement within God helps us to understand that God is not something we could put an image to or put something that we think of a man to or, or an object. God is not the object. So it's a movement within God. And so I'm really looking forward to this one. And I look forward to also your feedback and what, what was your uh, spark? What was your something that was said that woke something up within you? So let's keep the conversation going even after tonight's lecture reading. And here we go. He goes on, if you find yourself miserable or helpless here, may I tell you that you are not condemned to the state by a deity outside of yourself, for everything that takes place in your world is but a movement within God. We are told that in the very beginning, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and things came into being. Everything, your misery, your helplessness, your joy, your sorrow, no matter what it is, comes into being by a movement within God. And he is not a deity outside yourself. You are not a helpless being but an operant power of God. Seated as you are now, you can move without moving physically because your eternal body is all imagination. Called Christ Jesus in scripture, you are God's power and wisdom. So if you find yourself in a place where you are miserable and feel helpless, it is because you either knowingly or unknowingly fell into that state and not because of the condemnation of some deity outside of you. So this is basically saying it's not a God outside of you saying that you're wrong, you fell short. It is something that is already within us and we find ourselves in these states of being, whether knowingly or unknowingly. 
So once we become aware that we are in control of our states of being, this is where some magic begins to happen. And he goes on, every conceivable situation that you could ever think of exists now as a fact in God, but cannot be made visible until you occupy it, for you are God's operant power. Everything in this world needs man as the agent to express it. Hate or love, joy or sorrow, all things require man to express it. We glorify or condemn the man, but he simply represents a state which God entered knowingly or unknowingly and remained there until the state was externalized. So here it is, we, we condemn the man, we condemn ourselves for these things. But when in fact, we are in this state, whether knowingly or unknowingly, and we are still an expression of God. And he goes on, everyone is free to choose the state he wishes to occupy. You imagined yourself into your present state. If you don't like it, you must imagine yourself out of it and into another state. It is all a matter of movement. Because remember, our bodies are here, I'm adding this, our bodies are here in this movement of time and space. And time and space belongs to time. It really doesn't belong to us. These bodies don't belong to us. And so we become aware when we occupy these states. And Neville goes on in his lecture. We are told that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, collectively forming one glorious being. We conceived a play and speaking as one being, we said, it is time for the play to begin. Then individually we said, I am, and the play began. We conceived a play containing every horrible thing as well as every loving thing in the world. Every problem and its solution were conceived. In fact, you cannot think of something that was not in that original conception. Then it was time to start and simply saying, I am. God took it upon himself that which he had conceived and your journey into this fabulous world began. So no matter what you are experiencing now, you are not condemned by some state outside yourself for you either wittingly or unwittingly fell into the state, be it good, bad, or indifferent. Now, how to move. We are told in the very beginning of Genesis that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and the book of Joshua, which is the Hebraic name for Jesus, the Lord said, wherever the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Now, you can choose where you want the sole of your foot to tread, for the world is yours and all within it. But remember, whatever you tread upon will be given you. 
When I speak of Joshua or Jesus, I am not speaking of any historical creature, but the Christ in you, who is the hope of glory. I am trying to get you to realize that Jesus Christ is in you as your own wonderful human imagination. So when I say God became man, that man may become God, I mean imagination became you that you may become all imagination. Man has difficulty associating imagination with God. Somehow the word God denotes some being that created the world, yet remained apart from it. But when I use the word imagination, it is my hope that the separation ceases to be. May I tell you, the whole vast world is all imagination. Our realists think they are nearer to the truth, yet they do not realize that they are dictating nothing more than their imagination. They laugh at those who are mystically inclined, but I tell you, leave them alone and go your way in confidence that what you are imagining, you already are, you will become. You imagine yourself into a state you are now occupying and you imagine yourself into any state you desire to express. No outside deity moved you into the state of misery you are now expressing. You did it yourself because you forgot who you are. You are the being who conceived every state in the beginning and deliberately started your journey by moving into a state, for you are Jesus, the Lord. When I speak of Jesus, I am not speaking of some holy person as the world calls holy. The true story of Jesus is not as the churches teach. Their teaching is as far removed from the truth as Dante's Inferno is from the Sermon on the Mount. Dante had the capacity to spin beautiful worlds together, but what a state he fell into when he wrote his words. He was supposedly writing scripture, and that is what the churches follow, yet it is so completely different from the real true story of Christ. Jesus is the very being of everyone in the world. The word Jesus means Jehovah saves, and there is only one Savior. Jesus is he who fell, and he who saves himself. No one else saves you. You are saved by your own being. Becoming aware, you begin to remember, and remembering, you turn around and come out of the very play in which you sent yourself. So this is Denny here. This is a really powerful uh, shift right here when you know we're taught to look for Jesus outside ourselves. We're taught to look as God is up in heaven separate from us. So this is a very completely different perspective that there is a piece of God within each one of us. And there's nobody gonna save us. 
Jesus the man is not coming, but the second coming is man waking up, waking up to the fact that we are the ones who are going to save us from the situation we got ourselves into in the first place. And hopefully enough people wake up. So he goes on to say, you know, that for everyone in the world, Jesus is the very being within each person. So there is a spark of Jesus within you. And he goes on to say, and in the end, all are united to form once again the single being that fell. The Lord God Jehovah containing all fell into diversity. In the end, not one will be lost, but all will be gathered into the unity that is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the story. This week, I received some beautiful letters. One was from a lady who said, I heard you 10 years ago, and shortly after hearing your message, I found myself in vision on top of the highest mountain in the universe. I was looking toward the horizon into a fantastic vastness without a shore. Clouds were below me, but I was looking into the distance and saw a flicker of light, then a spark, and then others. As I watched the flickering lights round about me, I noticed that the clouds below me was making an imperceptible forward motion. Then a burst of white light came through the clouds and filled infinity. The clouds began to disperse and pointing to the light, I said, that's Paul. Then the light diffused and a burst of light appeared in living colors. And pointing it to, I said, that is Neville. And then came a shower of golden needles, which penetrated my brain. And I woke to write it down. For years, I have contemplated this vision, not understanding its meaning until last Monday night, when you spoke of the being of light who shoots its fiery arrows into the brains of those who are called. May I tell you, it's the same story over and over again. You are the only Christ, the only Lord, the only God and Father of all. Having conceived the play, you are playing every part and each in his own wonderful time, will play the part of Jesus Christ. For in the end, we all know that we are God. When you will hate no one, for you will realize that we agreed to play all the parts while hiding behind the masks we wear. Now completely masked, we think we are many and do not recognize ourselves as the one who conceived and predicted the play of life. You are now in a fantastic state. You fell into the state because it was arranged in the beginning that you could fall into and move out of every state. So keep on going and complete the play for when the play is finished, you turn around and return to the very beginning where you were in the beginning. Now, a gentleman wrote, I saw a man about 26 years of age. 
He had golden curls on his head and seemed to be sunk into the ground. Two men appeared to be working on the top of his head towards the back of his skull. As I watched the young man raised his arms and touching his head, he put his hand into a skull. Curious, I came closer to see an enormous skull made of clay or some form of plastic, which was completely empty. Moving to look at the front of the man, the scene changed and now I see his chin resting in the sands of the desert. The mast looked like those shown in Africa or Hawaii, where you only see the mask, but never the wearer. I knew I was seeing a mask, but its wearer was unseen. That is the world. You don't know it, but when you are looking at a seeming other you, are seeing an intimate being, one you knew in the beginning, one you will remember when all of the masks are removed, for we are all wearing masks in order to play this play of life. In this world, imagination plays the role of the weak man, the strong man, the poor man, and the rich man, for the roles were conceived in the beginning by imagination and is playing all parts. So Denny here, this is really, really powerful right here because it says that we remembered in the beginning, but we willingly forgot. And then once we do remember that we will be seeing these masks and all of these masks will be removed for we are all wearing these masks. So what exactly are these masks? These are all the things we think we are. Like, I think I'm a mother, I think I'm a woman, I think I'm a wife. I mean, I am all of these things, but these are just masks that I wear. And to understand who the true me is, I have to go into the kingdom of the heavens within that Jesus talked about. And we're required to use imagination, right? So this imagination, Nella is saying, is the spark of God. And this is why people like Albert Einstein were so, such strong proponents of creativity and imagination, especially in children and what he was seeing in our education children. He pretty much said we were killing the human imagination. And he was very, very strong on training your imagination and using it regularly. So this is very key because he says in this world, imagination plays the role of the weak man, the strong man, the poor man, the rich man, whatever role. And remember, man means all humans, all genders that are involved in the human race. Man in general, not men, uh, male gender. So this is talking about all humans. And when we understand what our role is and we get very clear on it, this is when our purpose is sparked within us. This is when God's fire is lit within us. And then Neville goes on as his lecture. You are imagining God, who is all imagination. That's all there is. The universe is nothing more than imagination creating while it is fast asleep. You and I move from state to state, either deliberately by knowing what we are doing or 
unintentionally by falling into a state as we read the headlines of the paper, listen to the radio, or watch TV. And although you may know none of the facts, you will accept what is said. You will fall into a state and buy things you do not need. You will fill your house with all kinds of trivia that you have no room for because imaginations is operating. Someone conceived the plan to get you to empty your pocketbook and buy their products, and you will because imagination is sound asleep. And imagination will continue the journey until you turn around and head for home by becoming more and more awake. So right there it says, your imagination is asleep. It's sound asleep. And, but imagination is gonna continue on the journey. So things are still gonna happen on your journey and it's gonna feel like things are happening to you. But what Neville is saying is things are these things are happening for you. And getting back, he says, those who think they are so very wise in this world know nothing about Jesus. Only the seers, the mystics, know who he is. Only those who have seen the light he claims he is and know his form without seeing the face know him. There are not thousands of lights, but only one vast infinite light. If one takes on a white light and another multicolored lights, it's still the same wonderful light of Jesus. There is only God who is playing all the parts. And in the end, you will know that you are light, that you are spirit, that you are God from personal experience. But tonight you sit here, you can mentally shut out the facts of life and move anywhere in your imagination. Do that and no one looking at you physically can tell where you have mentally moved. And if you dwell in imagination, where would you like to be and see what you would see were you there? You will have moved within your own being. Persist and everything here will die because of your move within God. In the beginning, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, saying, Wherever you go and stand, I will give you. You were given everything in the beginning, and one day, having finished the play, you will begin to awaken. Then I, who came out first, will stand there as an anchor for all to come through by performing the same deed. You will be drawn by a fiery brooding upon this wonderful mystery, drawn to the risen Christ, who is formed out of all. As you enter, we fuse, and the mortal you resumes immortally. You fell into the mortal state in order to experience death, and when you turn around, you rise to become one with immortality. I tell you, you are the Lord God Jehovah who conceived the play and deliberately entered it. You did nothing wrong. It was an adventure and without adventure, what is life? If someone left you a billion dollars so you could be cushioned for the rest of your life here, 
They would be robbing you of your creative adventure. In the beginning, you left all by emptying yourself of all that you were aware of being. Then you took it upon yourself, the form of a slave, wearing a slave mask right now. No one knows who you really are, and you cannot recognize those who you have known throughout all eternity. Benny came back to my home about a week ago, and sitting beside him, I could see nothing but pure love pouring forth from him. I couldn't see his face, for his skin is dark, and when I looked at Benny, all I can see was the being of love I knew in eternity. In the beginning, we were all Elohim, which is a compound unity of one made up of others. Benny has as dark a skin as I have ever seen on a man, and I am as fair as man can be. So you might think we came out of different beings, but these are only masks we wear. Benny has turned around and now knows he is the light of the world. He knows he is infinite love. May I tell you, when you see infinite love, you will see man. You will see he who is gathering togetherness of all. I will know you by the light, and you will know me by the light. But when we know each other as one, it will be love, and that is man. Everyone is gathered into the human form divine. No one will be lost, for in the beginning, we agreed to dream this world into being in concert when we went our separate ways to falling into different states of consciousness and blaming others for the discords in our world. That's all right, for one day we will return and all the discords will be resolved into perfect harmony as we expand beyond what we were prior to the play. You can put me up to the test tonight by learning how to move. My brother Victor learned how to move into riches when he had nothing. Living on borrowed money and trying to operate a little shop on the side street, Victor would stand before one of the largest buildings on the island and see J.N. Goddard and Sons. On the marquee, rather than the existing, F.M. Roach and Company. This he did every day until the idea was fixed in his mind's eye. Two years later, the business failed. You may think that was wrong, but nothing is wrong in God's name. We ate of the tree of millennium and fell into right and wrong. When the building was put up for sale, a man we hardly knew bought it for my brother, and the sign was changed from F.M. Roach and Company to J.N. Goddard and Sons. What did my brother do? He moved his imagination. He had no money when he purchased the building in 1922. Now, in 1967, I don't think you can buy the family out for $25 million. I own 10% of the stock, but I do not know its value. I came here to tell you not how to make money, but how to operate the law of identical harvest so that if everything is taken from you tonight, 
you can rebuild tomorrow. So Denny here talking about this law of identical harvest. This is something that we do in our mastermind, applying the mastermind principle uh, uh, that started with Napoleon Hill. So Napoleon Hill and Neville Goddard are, uh, are contemporaries. Uh, they were kind of around that same time and teaching this unseen power that we are and that it is our thought processes. And so he's saying right here that, you know, if you're, if you're able to make $25 million one time, you could lose it all. You can absolutely build it again. And in fact, that is written in the Bible in the book of Job, how he was blessed with, you know, a wife and 10 children and he lost it all got very, very sick, very close to death. And then he gained it all back. He rebuilt his life and he was blessed again. And, you know, feeling that heavy weight. So this is an opportunity to know that, hey, in this material world, we can start rebuilding. Neville goes on to say, this is how it works. I imagine myself into what I am and I can imagine myself into what I want to be. I am forever becoming what I imagine myself to be, be it good, bad, or indifference. There is no deity on the outside who condemns and causes you to do what you are doing. You moved into the state you are now occupying, either wittingly or unwittingly, for God and your own wonderful human imagination are one. So when you say, I and my father are one. You are speaking of your human imagination. I have been sent to clarify scripture and take off the barnacles, off the story called Jesus Christ. This is a small beginning, but what does it matter? You who hear me will tell the story and bring it back to somewhere near its original form. For the story as interpreted by the churches of the world is not anything near the truth. This morning, I read Buckley's column. I enjoy the use of his word and I find him quite an interesting fellow. Today, he wrote about the Bishop of Canterbury saying, I don't believe the good Bishop would recognize a Christian if he met one or scripture if he read it. I don't always agree with Beckley, but this time I agreed. After reading what he quoted the bishop as having said, now, this is not only true of the present bishop, but of all bishops I have met, whether they call themselves cardinals or popes for their rituals, beliefs, and teachings are so far removed from the true story of Jesus. I am here to tell you, that God became you. How? By seeing the mask, one like you see in Africa or in Hawaii, and identifying himself with it. Now, disguised as that which God wears, you can no longer see who you really are. But I tell you, the being behind the mask you now see as your brother, your sister, your wife, your husband, and children, is a part of the Elohim who created the play and is playing every part. One day that being will take off the mask and you will resurrect and leave your empty skull. So I say to my friend 
who saw the mask with the empty skull made of plastic. The day will come when you will ascend with one of us whose mask is already taken off and pointing to the skull, you will say of it, I once dwelt there. Then you will know as I do that you were never the mask you wore. And in eternity, we will all know each other and all be enhanced beyond what we were by reason of the journey that we made. So we're here for purpose. This is Denny again. We're here for purpose. And if you can't see your purpose and you don't know what it is, this is time to get some clarity. Get some clarity right now. Take time out for yourself. Because Neville goes on to say, tonight, you try this. Test it. Learn how to move. The test is simple. Just like my brother, take a simple little thing like asking yourself, what do I want? Now, looking at the world as you now see it, if you had what you wanted, would you continue to see the world as it is now? I doubt it. It need not be a change from where you live, but if there were a change, you would see the world differently. And naturally, your closest circle of friends would see it changed you. Well, begin to move in God by seeing your world from a different angle and let your friends see you there. You are the operant power and move in your own being. If you move from where you are to where you would like to be, you could detect that motion only by a change of position relative to another object. Motion in itself cannot be done without some frame of reference from which it moves. If your income had been increased to say $30,000 a year from your present income of less than $10,000, how would you feel? How would your present circle of friends see you? Would they know it? Would they discuss it? Would they speak of the change in your life? Tell them and then eavesdrop and hear your friends discuss you as one who is making 30,000 a year. That's a motion in God and that movement will produce results. Everything in this world is nothing more than the result of a movement in God, which is a motion in your wonderful imagination. The slightest imaginal act that is a change. I don't mean just an act for you can imagine things you don't believe, but if you imagine something you believe is a change, a thrill is sent through divine being. At that moment, you have actually entered another state and made it alive and real in your world. Try it tonight. It costs you nothing, not even a nickel. But may I tell you that when you stand in the presence of the one thing who is drawing all towards itself, you are sent into the world to tell them your fantastic story. And if they do not apply what you tell them, they become disillusioned and hate you who invited them to dream. I am sent to invite everyone to dream consciously, to dream deliberately, 
This is for a dream world. They say that where he comes, he is always rejected, for he tells man, whatever you desire, believe that you have received it and you will. Anyone who makes that bold assumption and gets the confidence of those whose sphere he reaches runs the risk of rejection, for when they try it and do not quite know how to do it, they become disillusioned and invariably hate the one who invited them to dream. That's the risk every teacher who is sent must run. So I'm going to add into here, this is Denny here. I've run into a lot of people who will tell me, you know what, the law of attraction doesn't work. So they read a book and then they tried to do it themselves and it didn't work. So they've become disillusioned. Ask yourself, is that you? Have you maybe inappropriately used it or didn't understand quite how to use it? And everybody's like, oh, LOA is the best. Oh, manifestation is wonderful. And then you come from a state of being disillusioned. So Neville is saying, pay attention to that. So the risk of every teacher who is sent must run into this. They're going to run into students who are not ready, who are not able to understand, who do not, who might have... Uh, puzzle pieces missing, background information missing, whatever that is to help them shift, they're not able to understand it. And so every teacher does run into this risk saying, you know, just do this. And people who just do that, it doesn't work for them because there's an unseen piece of the pie, part of the recipe that you must experience yourself. Nobody can give that to you. And Neville goes on to say, but I tell you, it's true anyway. And if one fails to bring their dream into being and becomes embittered, I say to myself, how often must I tell them? 70 times seven? I must tell them until they really understand. And those who hear me will carry my message forward. They will be heard. And in the end, we will all be gathered back into the one being, to know that we were the one being who conceived the play and took the plunge. So when we say in the beginning, it's time for the play to begin, not one of us failed to respond in the first person, present tense, I am. Now let us go into silence. So Denny Van back here, thank you so much for being with me and I would love to keep the conversation going. Uh, leave a comment or send me an email, uh, Denny at heartfeltawakening.com. What was your aha moment with this? What did you not understand? And if you'd like a copy of this lecture, we're going to leave a link to that in the description so you can get a copy of the lecture. And I hope to, uh, Keep this going. We're going to keep this going because the feedback has been absolutely wonderful. I want to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe because we've got a lot more wonderfulness coming. So thank you for being on this journey with me. And uh, I'm Denny Van. I help you accelerate your personal, professional, and spiritual growth. And this is for our spiritual food, our spiritual growth. Blessings. <laughs>